Here we go now. Here we go now. Are y'all ready? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am ecstatic, and I'm excited, and I'm also honored that you have taken the privilege of allowing me to interrupt your regularly scheduled afternoon. I guess for some of you, this is your regularly scheduled afternoon. Um, we have a word for your life on tonight. We have already dealt with Soul Care 101, so tonight we're dealing with Soul Care 102. If you have not checked out Soul Care 101, please do so because both of these messages complement one another. Thank you so much for everybody who has been tagging us, your end of the year giving. We love you all so much. And tonight we have a word for your life. Take your screenshot, tag us, and let's get to work. This is a very familiar passage, a very familiar Bible story, but I believe the Lord gave me something from this particular story of Samson and Delilah that we could learn from. So it has a little length. I really can't do hopscotch. I want you to get all of this. Judges chapter 16, Judges chapter 16, verse 4. It says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we could overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. First of all, brothers, if any woman ever asks you that question, run. <laughs> Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson. The Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Second thing, if she's trying to tie you up, bruh, this is possibly a warning sign. This is dangerous. If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tired. He replied, if you weave seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll, be, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into a fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me. 
This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaven, my strength would leave and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistine, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off seven braids of his hair. What type of sleep was this dude in where you can't tell that you're getting a tape of fade? And so begin to subdue him and his strength left him. Our clause of concern and our verses of importance is two verses, verse 16 and just the latter part of verse 19. Verse 16, when the text tells us, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. He was sick to death of it. And the scary words, the scary last five words in verse 19 and his strength left him ladies and gentlemen as we begin this conversation of soul care I want to ask you this question I'm gonna keep asking you this question throughout our sermonic journey the question is what nagging what nagging in your soul is stealing your strength because what we look, when we look at this particular text, what we can learn from Samson's life is it's dangerous when you are in love with a strength stealer. It is dangerous when you are in love with something that steals your strength. See, there's been so much conversation about the spirit of Jezebel, but why don't we have a conversation about the spirit of Delilah? Yeah. Why don't we have a conversation about that? You know what the spirit of Delilah is? It's anything you love that steals your strength. Samson shows us the danger of loving something that is killing you softly. It steals your strength. It steals your focus. It steals your prayer life. It steals your peace. It steals your joy. It steals your purity. Have you been able to identify the very thing in my life that keeps on stealing and taking my joy? And I just have to bring this back to your remembrance. Loving them harder won't make them change. Because change is a matter of a man's will, not how hard you get love. And then number two, you trying to love someone into loving you never works. Did y'all hear what I just said? You trying to love them into loving you, that never works. Jesus told us this command in Mark chapter 12 of verse 30. He says, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the reason I'm doing this message on tonight is because it's going to be hard to love the Lord with all of my heart if I don't even recognize what has a piece of my heart. 
It's going to be hard to love the Lord my God with all of my strength if I haven't identified what in my life is taking my strength. And it's going to be hard to love the Lord God with all of my soul when I haven't even recognized I'm not even whole in my soul. This is why your wholeness matters because a whole glass can quench your thirst. But that same glass, if broken, can cut you. And this is how we keep bleeding on people who never cut us and how people keep bleeding on us that we have never hurt. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would use this message to heal the brokenhearted. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would use this message and remind us that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And if he's a comforter, that must mean there's going to be a time in life when you have some uncomfortable situations all around you. What? Nagging. Is there in your soul that is stealing your strength? God, would you flood this atmosphere? Would you help us to be able to be wise stewards and have some soul care right now in this very moment, God, so that we could recognize what in our life do we love that's zapping our joy, that's stealing our peace? The very thing that we love could be killing us softly. I pray that you anoint me as your oracle, as your PA system, as your spokesman. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer and you're ready, would you drop in the room, amen. Amen. With such nagging, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick of it sick to death of it and verse 19 the latter part of verse 19 and his strength left him as we continue this dear 2020 series i would like to speak from this subject for part five on tonight soul care 102 soul care 102 like i told you every time we come together i'm gonna have you say a confession because i don't know if you speak over your life so when you're with your boy you're gonna speak life over your life so can i get everybody to put this in the room in all caps can i get everybody to put this in the room i am the head and not the tail above and not beneath i don't fight for victory i fight from victory has anybody received that? I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you have a supernatural superpower. Yes, ma'am. You, sir. You have this supernatural strength. You have this supernatural power, this supernatural strength. It's different for all of us because all of us have different assignments, different tasks, different goals, different missions that God has put on our life while we're here in the earth. All of us have a kingdom role to play. We just have to make sure that we're living a life that carries out that kingdom agenda. We have this supernatural power. And it has been with you before you ever got here. I want this to come back to somebody's neurological understanding that your birth was not an accident. Your birth was not an accident. Before your mama ever thought your daddy was cute or however the circumstances went down to get you here in the earth. I'm talking about before your mother ever heard a doctor say, push push you just gotta breathe you just gotta breathe before your mama ever had to do all of that to push you and birth you in the earth realm 
before she even got the pregnancy tests to discover that she was with child. God knew you. God knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knew you and he knows you and he knew it was imperative for you to enter the earth at a time such as this. It is an imperative, it is vital, it is important. It was not an accident, it was on purpose. Because you and I serve the God of purposefulness. Please hear me. You and I serve the God of purposefulness. Therefore, you're short on purpose. You're tall on purpose. You goofy on purpose. You serious on purpose. Your family is on purpose. The race you're in is on purpose. Your background is on purpose. All of it is on purpose for your purpose because you and I serve a God who operates with purposefulness. Therefore, whenever God does something, it's because he's doing it on purpose. And whenever God does nothing, it's because he's doing nothing on purpose. And since you and I serve the God of progression, not speed, we learned that in Soul Care 101 that is hazardous material, speed. Since we serve the God of progression and not speed, even the seasons and the times of our life when we feel God is doing nothing, it's because God is up to something, because he operates with purposefulness. Can I get everybody to say purpose? Ever since you were born, when you were a child, when you were a toddler, teenager, young adult, adult, you have always had this supernatural superpower and this strength. Matter of fact, if you were to look back over your life, some of us could see flickers of that strength when you were a child. The fact that you always just kind of love people. You love people. You wanted to help people. You were always interested in medicine. That led you to study medicine and had you go to med school because it was tied to this supernatural strength that you had. Or somebody watching this message, you can't stand bullies. You would always fight that school bully. I'm talking about you would fight a bully and you didn't even know the boy who he stole money from. You would fight a bully and you didn't even know the girl that he stole money from or she stole money from. But you just couldn't stand injustice. You couldn't stand not having equality. You could not stand people not being treated correctly, which led you into law, which led you into being a law enforcement officer, which led you into education because... As you look back over your life, there are flickers of this supernatural strength. I consider my life, there was always just this, this supernatural strength when it came to speaking. I'm thinking about third and fourth grade, Miss Farmer, if you're watching this, I remember you. Third and fourth grade, she would always say, um, Jerry, would you, would you like to read page 24? No, I don't, but I will. <laughs> Uh, Jerry, would you like to read page 35? I'm talking about the fifth grade president giving the public address at the fifth grade graduation, captain of the debate team. I was never the best with a basketball in my hand. I was never the best with a football in my hand. But it was just something about when I had my voice amplified. It was just something about when I had the privilege to speak that it revealed that supernatural superpower that God has given myself. What is yours? What is yours? Because all of us have been given a God-given task. We all have a God-given task that we're supposed to occupy while we're here in time. Is that Bible? Yes, it is. I'm glad you asked. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10, it says, I have seen the God-given task with which the Son of Men are to be occupied. Listen, there is a task 
that you and I are supposed to occupy while we're here. What if I told you a form of soul care was knowing what is your kingdom occupation? Because if I don't know my kingdom occupation, I'm going to keep on putting gas in tanks that aren't beneficial to me getting to my destiny. Maybe this is why you're so tired, because you're fighting the wrong fights and you keep filling up tanks that don't matter to your destiny. Ah, this is so good. So now this redefines failure. Failure now is if I go to the grave and I have never occupied that God-given task. Oh, we've been occupied with drama We've been occupied with Netflix. We've been occupied with IG. Why y'all looking at me like that? We've been occupied with porn. We've been occupied with the club. We've been occupied with turning up one time for the one time. We've been occupied with everything else except your God-given occupation. And the only way you could discover that supernatural super strength is I have to occupy my God-given task. I have to occupy my God-given task and hell knows that you have strength in this area, which is why he does everything he can to make sure that you never discover the reason of your birth. He does everything he can to hopefully limit you from ever experiencing that strength. Because if I don't know my supernatural superpower, by default, there is a level of soul care I can't engage in. Because when I know where my strength is, I know where my strength is not. I don't have oil for that. That's their issue, not mine. Soul care. Now listen, so how does the enemy try to stop us? Number one, he attempts to keep you in immaturity. But listen, this is what I strive to do. You're not going to be able to watch every Thursday and every Sunday and remain immature. You're not going to be able to watch every week, listen to a podcast, and remain immature. This is going to be a ministry, and this is going to be a word that's going to push you in maturity or going to push you about your business. We're going to push you into maturity, or you're going to be pushed in another direction because we strive to get you to be mature. The scripture says it this way in Hebrews. Listen, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers, but now we're rehearsing the elementary things of Christ. You need milk. You should have solid food because solid food is for those who are mature. And when you are mature, you can distinguish good from evil. Please listen, y'all. Please listen. The enemy wants to keep you petty. He wants to keep you emotional. He wants to keep you addicted. He wants to keep people around you that you label as friends, but they're really maturity limiters. Did y'all hear what I just said? He wants to keep people around you. You label them as bae. You label them as pastor. Oop. You label them as friend. You label them as bro and sis, but they really keep you. They really are a maturity limiter. I never want you to mature. I want you to, say at, I want you to stay at the same spiritual grade level. Because when you mature, you get strength. And when you get strength, it's because you mature. When you mature... You get strength. And when you get strength, it's because you mature. I want you to see this. This is a picture of my baby boy, my son. This is me just holding him up, just holding a picture of my son. And right now, my son can't even hold his neck up. (laughs) He can't even hold his neck up. If I would have let his head go, you know how babies his head just keep on doing this. He hasn't developed enough neck muscles to hold his head up by his own strength. Now I want you to see this other picture. Isn't it crazy? This one picture was showing me holding him up 
which was holding his neck up. But now this other picture, he's on my neck. I'm holding my head up. He's holding his head up and he's holding his own arm up. What happened? This is a four-year difference. In one season, he had a muscle that wasn't mature, so there was a strength that he didn't have. But four years later, there's another muscle that is in the same place, but it has developed. It has experienced maturity, so now he has strength to be able to hold up his own neck. Here's the question I have for you. When you look back on your life, when you look back just four years ago, can you see that you had a muscle that you could not use, but now that same muscle is operational? Because when you are growing, when you are growing, there are certain spiritual muscles that have matured. There should be things that I should have outgrown. The reason the fifth grade chair and the pre-K chair are two different sizes is because your big behind should not be able to sit in the same place after four or five years. Why can we still fit in the same attitude, sit in the same petty? Y'all not talking to me. The same addictions. God is saying, I want you to grow into maturity because when you mature, it's because you got strength. And when you got strength, it's because you matured. The enemy wants to keep us in immaturity. You are most dangerous when you mature. Oh, if I can get you to engage in mature living, if I can get you to talk with maturity and walk with maturity, how about respond with maturity? They may respond that you petty, but you respond out of maturity. God is looking for people who are willing to go from milk and go on to meat. Because like the text tells us in Hebrews, solid food is for the mature. Can I get somebody to drop in the room? This is for grown folks. This is for grown folks. Maturity. Maturity. I want us, I want us to be so secure that we don't try to clip our wings to go back with people who are crawling. I'm mature. Like my son, I want us to experience maturity to such a degree where we don't go from underwear back to diapers. You're making a mess and laying in it. After a while, I want to be a messenger. Is there anybody? I want to be a messenger. I want to mature. I want to mature. And this, this helps me to be able to identify when somebody is sent from the enemy and when somebody is sent from God. When the enemy sends somebody, it's going to interrupt or limit your maturity evolution. When God sends somebody, it's going to push you into a maturity evolution. Did y'all hear what I just said? When it's from the enemy, it's going to be something or someone that interrupts your maturity. And when it's somebody from God, it's going to be a person that helps you be mature. Because God wants us to grow. A form of soul care is maturity. It is maturity. I want us to see this. This is in the Message Bible. The Message Bible, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Hell gets terrified when you get mature. Hell gets nervous when you get mature. See, when you operate with kingdom living, you could identify kingdom people. 
Maybe the reason you keep getting deceived is because you aren't living by kingdom principles. So the lack that you have, the lack of this principle being applied in your life is the catalyst on how you keep getting deceived by their life. Because for you to be a king, being in the kingdom will help you identify a king and a queen. God sends you help meets. The enemy sends you headaches. God sends you evolution. The enemy sends you distractions. God sends you kings. The enemy sends you leeches. God wants us to mature. Somebody say mature. The second reason and the second thing the enemy uses to try to stop us from experiencing the supernatural power which, help, which helps us mature is by our attachments. It's by our attachment. Why is it we always think? Why is it we always think the problem is what they did? How they hurt us and what they did to us. Could the issue ever be we keep sleeping with Delilah? Uh-oh. Could, could the issue be, see, look at this, look at this, look at this. Delilah kept on putting Samson to sleep. Who and what in your life keeps putting your soul to sleep so that you can't hear the Holy Spirit call to change? Can you identify your Delilah? Listen, Delilah, Samson was so blind that he could not see. He was in love with someone who kept him in warfare. <laughs> like every time you go to sleep, she keeps waking you up. Your alarm clock is, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And I wanted to have you not recognize the very thing and the very person that you love. Are they keeping you involved in war? No, your, may, your name not, may not be Samson, but it could be Michael Lust is upon you. Michael Lust is upon you. Michael Lust is upon you because of who you're hanging around. No, your name may not be Samson, but it might be Ashley Anxiety is upon you. Ashley Anxiety is upon you. Who in your life and what thing keeps you engaged in warfare? Because Samson was so blind that he could not see what's loving me is killing me softly. And I never understand it. How is it a woman could spend $65 on her nails, $100 plus for a hairdo, and that's cheap, $1,000 on a wedding dress, but then it's too expensive for you to get some therapy? It's too expensive. Oh, it's getting hot. It's too expensive for you to get some counseling. Oh, it's too expensive for you to sow into a ministry that helps you be fruitful and helps others be fruitful and help others be fruitful. It's the same thing for men. Men will stand in the rain. And will complain because they're trying to get an Xbox and pay $499. I didn't say four, I said four. Will stand out trying to get a PlayStation 5, spend $500, $200 on some shoes. Stay up all night long for your player in NBA 2K or Madden, but you can't pray for 30 minutes? <laughs> all night long? You can't pray for 30 minutes. This is why I preach with so much passion, sweat out of my clothes, because there was a time when I was lost and I want us to get it. If you could be passionate, turning up in the club, you twerking, you're not worried about nobody else, but then you can't spend time in the prayer closet so God could change you. What are you going hard for in the kingdom? What are you going hard for in the kingdom? It didn't matter that you had to work at 8 in the morning. It didn't matter. You still went to the club. It didn't matter if you had a car. It didn't matter. You still made sure you got there. But when it comes to the things of God, see, it's the, it's the attachments that are messing us up. The contradiction, once again, 
of mixture. I have a few to share with you on the night. It, it, it is a contradiction for us. You will willingly reject a man who lives with his mama, but you'll accept a man who lives with his wife. Uh-oh. Attachment, confusion, contradiction of mixture. So your daddy hurt you. And you know how that felt, but you're going to go around and sleep with all these different women, impregnate them, and leave them with the child, and you're going to pass on the same pain that your father left you? Contradiction. The contradiction of mixture. We're confused by our attachments. Or what about you keep complaining about what you assigned to heal? Husband, what if I told you it is your job to make sure that your wife forgets her heart was ever broken? I'm not saying that you're a miracle worker because she must be a participant in her own becoming process. But I am saying due to your presence, it should expedite the healing. Because you recognize since she's attached to me, healing should hit her life. Ah, and this is a big one. How you going to major in church but then minor in life? Know what that looks like? So you know scriptures and you can speak in tongues but you can't manage a budget. <laughs> It's getting hot. I've been hot, but I, I just feel it for you. Many times what we haven't recognized is God wants us to experience maturity because that maturity is tied to that supernatural strength. Sometimes it's what we're attached to. See, I remember I was speaking about this in the Try Me series, right? There was a time I was going to the airport and... Uh, I hate when they would select me. I'm thinking, you got all these people. Why you select me? Why you select me? They select me, and they said, is this your bag, Mr. Flowers? And I said, yeah, it's my bag. And they said, okay, well, let's, let, let, let's see what you got in here. What, what are you about to go do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm about to go minister, and, and I'm kind of rushed. They don't care. They're like, let's see what you got here in the bag. All right. Um, oh, th this is why I selected your bag. You got this hairspray in here. You gotta throw this away. And I'm like, bruh, listen, man, I don't want my hair looking like taco meat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I need this. I'm going straight from the airport to the church. And they said, okay, well, if you wanna keep this bag, you can recheck this bag for a small fee of $25. So I'm not, I wasn't the best in math. I hated statistics and I definitely could not stand calculus. <laughs> but in that moment, I started to do some mathematics. Okay, $5 bottle of hairspray, $25 to keep it. Hmm. $5 bottle of hairspray, $25 to keep it. What are you paying for to keep? What, what, what are you paying for with your sleep? What are you paying for with your joy? What are you paying for with your confidence? What are you paying for with your esteem? Because you want to hold on to something that's value is $5. What are you paying for to keep? And then the second question to that is, are you paying more than its value to keep it? And I begin to think in that moment, that TSA person was preaching to me.
There's so many things in our life that we're paying for to keep that if we were just to let it go, we would experience another level of freedom. We would experience another level of joy. We would experience health in our soul. Maybe the best form of soul care for you is to release that thing God has been telling you to let go of for years. You know exactly what that thing is. Nobody else knows, but God knows. Every single time you participate with them or with it, you got this tension in your soul because God told you, you can't fly with this. You can't go to the next level with this. And so here I am having a conversation with this TSA agent. People are going in front of me. You ever feel like people are getting to the next level before you? You ever feel like people are getting promoted before you? You ever feel like people's ministry is taking off before you? They're doing things before you? Could it be because you're spending so much time arguing with God's spiritual TSA that you're holding up your own journey? It's not that God is not ready to take you to another level. It's that you keep on having a conversation about God to God about something you want to keep and he says what is in the carry-on of your soul that is hazardous material for your flight and God's like listen I love you too much and I love my people too much to let you fly with that so you can either recheck this and you're gonna pay to keep this or you can stay right here in this line and keep on complaining about how much you don't like it but you're still not flying with that you're still not flying with that petty you're still not flying with that bitterness in your heart God is saying I want you to mature you praying and you crying every night about God, heal me in my soul. God, heal me in my soul. God, heal me in my soul. Sometimes it's a simple instruction. Delete the contact. <laughs> I feel like it's getting so quiet. Sometimes God will even go even deeper on you. Delete the contact and get a new phone because it's going to be harder. It's going to be easier for you to be free when some things no longer can reach you. Maybe you need to separate yourself so much so to your past can't even reach you. You think you're cool because your past is blocked and leaving it to voicemail. How about have it to where you can't even contact me anymore? And it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a weakness. Because like I stated on Sunday, the enemy will always make sure that there's a time in your life when weakness meets opportunity. Sometimes your freedom is by deleting the contact. Sometimes your freedom is by getting accountability partners so they can know what websites you're surfing at night. Sometimes your freedom is throwing away the vibrator and asking God to purify my heart so that I don't just have this to give me pleasure, but I want to have pleasure in you. What if God wants us to have so much pleasure in him that that brings us joy? There's a, a spiritual, supernatural power that you have, a strength that you have, that you'll never know what it is until you mature until you mature we have to heal we have to heal so this commandment in mark chapter 12 verse 30 love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength i have to heal so i can give god all of my heart i don't come to him I don't come to him fixed. I come to him broken so that you can fix my broken areas. But I have to understand, I have to come to him and say, God, I'm broken. God, I don't know how to get over this. I don't know how to heal from this. And I can't love you with my whole heart if you don't heal me from this pain. I'm going to go a little deeper on you. Some of us, you're trying to heal to prove other people wrong. 
I am a good woman. You're going to see how good of a woman I am. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody else married me. This is why I'm doing this. My daddy said I ain't never going to be nothing. Well, I'm being something. Now, I got my PhD. I got more degrees than a thermostat. I am successful. And here's the thing. When you keep on trying to heal for them, you keep them center stage in your heart. You keep them center stage in your heart. You decenter them by your calling. You heal because people need for you to be healed so that you can minister to them about how you got out of your brokenness. I'm not just speaking from some place I haven't been to. I'm speaking from experience. Jerry had to heal. I've experienced betrayal and heartache and people, you know, bad mouthing me. And I'm like, God, I don't want to preach no more. What's the point? I don't want to do this anymore. You don't never allow somebody else. To stop you from obeying me. I called you to do this. And I got so much wisdom. I was studying this and I shared this with my wife. I said, I never saw this about Jesus. We spoke about Jesus' relational management. Spoke to thousands, sent out 72, selected 12, but was vulnerable with three. We get hurt when we treat the thousand like the three. We spoke about that. But something I never saw, I never noticed the people who Jesus picked. Jesus picked Peter, right? Peter had a fishing business. Peter was like his own entrepreneur. He was his own boss. <laughs> you going to mess around and pick Matthew, a tax collector? Dude know how to handle money. I'm thinking like, it was so smart for Jesus to pick Peter. We got a boat. I got to go around the whole world <laughs> and tell them about the kingdom. Peter, you got a boat? Let me step in your boat. Push back from shore. Now follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I noticed Jesus chose people who already were working something. Jesus chose people who are willing to leave work and follow him. What aren't you willing to leave to follow Jesus? What is the condition of your soul? Number one, are you emotionally stranded? Emotionally stranded. This is when you're numb and you can't move forward and you begin to say things like, I'm never going to love like that again. I'm never going to church again. I'm never doing that again. This is a sign. It's time to surrender to Jesus. And what we have to do is stop judging people by the way they respond to trauma. If somebody's house is on fire and they scream help, you don't say, who are you yelling at? Because we have to stop treating people out of how they respond to trauma. Help them. I'm emotionally stranded. Number two, if there's a rest vacancy, this means there is no Sabbath principle in my life. And this is why I'm so exhausted in my soul. Number three, are you one that keeps on having bandage candidates? This is an individual or a thing that we use to try to stop our bleeding. People, substances, this is getting ahead of myself. The next one is substance escape. You try to escape a reality. You try to escape a reality that you're currently in. I don't have happiness, and I'm going to try to smoke myself out of it. This is a sign. It's time to surrender to Jesus. Because you cannot heal from a void you avoid. It may provide you a fog from your reality, but sooner or later when that fog settles, you'll see that that anxiety, that depression, that the insecurity is still right there. This is a sign. It's time to surrender to Jesus. This is a big one. This is one I had. A vaulted heart. I'm cold. I'm straight. What's wrong, bro? Nothing. I'm good. 
a heart that does not know how to vent. This is a sign. It's time to surrender to Jesus. How do we heal from this? I'm going to go through this kind of quickly because I'm running out of time. How do we heal from this? We have to have an autopsy. Have you ever, before you just moved on, ask yourself, what made my esteem die? That marriage failed? Why did it fail? It's not always, oh, well, on to the next. There are many fish in the sea. There's also sharks as well. And if you enter those relational waters while bleeding, you'll attract wolves and you'll attract sharks. How did it die? How did my peace die? In 2020, this whole year, things that died in your life, how did it really die? Was it your job? And your job caused for there to be a demolition project, a failure in your heart, and now you feel depressed? What caused for it to die? Next one, have a funeral. This is so hard. I can't wait to have this conversation when we have church again. I'm like, how do you still sing in the choir when your boyfriend is in the choir too, but he's engaged to another woman, but he, you're the one that brought him to church? How do you still worship God in the midst of pain? You have to be able to have a funeral, meaning I'm not going to let what I used to do hold me back from experiencing what God has called me to have to have a funeral last one remove and replace remove and replace remove and replace this is exactly what God did he who knew no sin became sin see if he wanted to remove it he had to become it he wanted to replace it so he had to become it he who knew no sin became sin for us a lot of times for soul care I had to remove myself out of atmospheres and put myself in, di in different atmospheres so that God could do the work of the kingdom in my heart. I know I said it's the last one, but I missed one, one of my favorites, Potter Reflections. When is the last time the Father has ever made a mistake on the work that he's been molding? When you begin to reflect on all the things that God has brought you through, I know I'm young, but I could just sit back and look over my life. God has never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Even if I don't know how I'm going to get through, when I have part of reflections, like, God, you're going to get me out of this. You're faithful. You're going to heal me. And this is so powerful. I'll touch on it just a little bit on Sunday. After all of this, and they binded up Samson, had him grinding on the meal. He loses his sight. The Bible says something so powerful. His hair begin to grow back I know some things in this year may have cut your joy may have cut your passion may have cut your commitment but if you keep on praying if you keep on believing if you keep on praying if you keep on binging sermons if you keep on with community even though it's virtual you keep on soon you're going to begin to see my faith is growing back. My confidence is growing back. My healing is starting to arrive in my heart because God wants us to understand your soul matters to me. But you have to be intentional of your soul care. So God, would you help us identify what has died in our life? What happened as a child that caused something to die? Help us to have an autopsy of things that hurt us, not just avoid them, God, but to discover what it is I have to do for me to heal from that so that I could bury it, so that I could have a funeral from it because I don't want to go back to it. 
And God, I trust you as the potter, that you're going to mold me, that you're going to build me, and give me the wisdom I need to have healthy soul care. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.